I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we explore those principles and cultivate those virtues that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. Well, welcome back for another episode, folks. We are broadcasting from Sioux Falls, the great state of South Dakota, where under God the people rule. I got to give a little shout out. Uh, somebody have it's just like really important to the show that uh, I've never mentioned before. Bill Seeley is uh, the, the producer and tech guy. Bill makes it happen. So every time I record, Bill like goes back in and adds our little music bumpers and then gets it uploaded on the website. Uh, it sends it over to Real Presence Radio. So a big thanks to Bill. It's kind of a, a shoestring operation, but it would not happen without Bill. One of the reasons I, I, I mentioned that is because gotten some good listener feedback lately. Somebody, uh, a friend, uh, a couple weeks ago said, Chris, you sound like you're in a tin can. Can you do something about your audio quality? So thank you for the feedback. I'm on it. Uh, we've got a plan in place. If any of you out there have got some great uh, like audio skills that can help me with my, you know, fine tune my mic, we can work out a barter arrangement. Maybe I'll come like mow your lawn or, or wash your car or something. Just reach out, let me know. And, uh, and we will move out of the tin can and into the 21st century. Okay, with that, really excited to welcome onto the show a dear friend of mine, Jeff Wald. Jeff is uh, an attorney, um, practices appellate criminal law in Ramsey County, Minnesota. He's an author writing book reviews and kind of dabbling, as he puts it, in fiction. You'll see his work at such places as Touchstone Magazine, which is a journal of, of mere Christianity, great publication, as well as at the Front Porch Republic, who uh, regular contributor, Professor John Schaff, you'll see his work at the Front Por Porch Republic as well. I'm excited about our topic today. We're going to touch a little bit on uh, something that we've talked about a little bit on the show before, foster and adoption, um, uh, foster care and, and, and adoption, it, it's come up in the context of kind of pro-life policies um, and in the context of surrogacy. We've talked about that too, but we're going to really just put some um, meat on the bones. We're going to find out where the, the, the rubber hits the road uh, with, with both of those things today. So Jeff, uh, Jeff welcome to the show. Oh, it's so good to be here, Chris. Thanks for thanks for having me. Well, and we were we, I was I was up on guard duty in St. Paul uh, the other week, and grateful. It just our friendship. I'm just so grateful for Jeff. And we had we had lunch together. And it's like I blinked my eyes, and the hour was gone. So I'm glad that we can have a little more time together. Um, and you've got this really unique. Uh, just experience a beautiful family life that I want to talk about today. And maybe if you could start us out, just give us the lay of the land, a little bit of like who you are, how long you've been married, about, a little bit about your wife and family, um, just to maybe give the listeners a bit of a sense of what we're going to jump into. Sure, sure. So uh, important to mention, uh, first off, I like to gloat uh, over this is I was born and reared in North Dakota. Ah, the neighbors so to the north. Let, Less the listeners here um, are persuaded by Chris's idea that he lives in God's country. Um, he lives in God's country's footstool. Um, and uh, I, I, <laughs> this podcast is over. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, I, well, I can't, I can't pretend that I any longer live in, <laughs> in God's country, but uh, I was reared there and, uh, you know, I uh, have a deep fondness for uh, North Dakota and the prairie land. Um, I uh, grew up in a very small town, Maddox, North Dakota. 
in a uh, a large family. I'm one of seven of the uh, sixth of seven children, and um, a, a like I said, a strong Catholic family. Uh, kind of unique. Um, not so unique, I guess, for, for small towns, but we, we shared a priest. Uh, so that was kind of one of the um, interesting features of growing up is um, a, a deep faith, but no priest in town, mostly a Lutheran town. Um, um, uh, I think there were uh, three Lutheran uh, churches on, on one block. Um, but my faith was always um, always important to me, um, and I took the opportunity then when it was time to go to college to seek out a, a Catholic school, went to the University of St. Thomas, um, not the island, uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, studied philosophy and Catholic studies, and uh, got really involved with a uh, organization there called St. Paul's Outreach, um, which really was a catalyst for, uh, I, I don't want to say a conversion, I think that life is a conversion, um, but a deepening, uh, a growth of my own faith, and um, in particular, living a, a life in the Holy Spirit um, and a, a real relationship with Jesus. It was at St. Thomas and through St. Paul's Outreach that I met my wife, Jackie, who is from Miami, Florida. Um, so, you know, God has a deep sense of humor there and somehow <laughs> matching us up. Um, and we've been married now. We just celebrated 11 years a couple months ago. Um, we live uh, here in uh, technically West St. Paul, Minnesota, but just a stone's throw from the capital city. Um, we have uh, currently in our home uh, six kids. So we have three biological kids, uh, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old, all boys. And then we adopted two boys um, out of uh, the Ramsey County foster care system um, two years ago. Uh, and then we have uh, a little girl um, uh, who is two and who has been living with us since Thanksgiving. She's um, the niece of some dear friends of ours um, from uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and she's been hanging out with us, uh, providing a lot, of, a lot of laughter and joy and uh, girl cuteness amidst uh, the mud and the sticks and stones of the boys in the house. That's, that's kind of a lay of the land. And one thing I want to just clarify, I think everybody knows what adoption is, you know, where you kind of get permission from a court. Uh, there's a, there's a blessing and there's a, a legal relationship created there as if it's one's own child, legally speaking. But what does foster care look like? How is it different from adoption? Can you just maybe give us the overview of, of what, what is that? I think we all maybe heard the term before, have a sense, but maybe fill in some of the blanks. Yeah, so so foster care is for those uh, those children from uh, birth up until um, generally eighteen. But there's even now um, extended foster care where um, I think it's voluntary, so the kids would have to opt into it. But a recognition that you know um, that family doesn't end when you're eighteen. That mm. that folks are in need of family throughout their life. Um, but it's foster care is for those kids. Um, who need uh, a safe family, um, perhaps only for a weekend, um, perhaps for many years. Um, and there's different, there's different goals of, of foster care. But the, the, the beginning goal, I think, is always uh, reunification, um, ideally with, uh, with a parent um, or with uh, a loving 
uh, family member or, or friend. So, I, and I think this is right. I think that this, um, I think we understand that uh, ideally we want kids to be able to be uh, cared for by their parents or by family or by the community closest to them. And I, th- I think that that's a real goal, but there's also recognition that um, for a variety of reasons, sometimes um, there's not a safe caregiver uh, in a child's life. Um, and so that's when um, the county uh, or the state would come in um, and remove a child and the child will go into the foster care system. And that can the, the, you can be an, an aunt or a grandparent and take the child through the foster care system or you can be uh, in our in our circumstances uh, a stranger. Um, and like I said, we've had uh, kids placed in our home for a short as just a weekend. We had a, a little uh, a baby over Easter um, just for three days. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was, you know, the investigation was done um, and it was determined that, nope, he, he can go back to dad. Um, uh, he's safe to go home to dad. And then um, other times it's the, the kids end up needing to be have a permanent family. Um, and that was the case with uh, two of the boys that we adopted. So it can be, a, there's a real spectrum, but I guess the, the basic is um, the, the county or the state, for whatever reason, there's been some allegation usually of abuse or neglect sure. for the primary caregiver. And then there's a, a need for a safe, a safe caregiver to it, come in and provide that care. If, if I recall just your own story that, you and Jackie have experienced this, uh, you know, both adoption and foster care as a real call from the Lord. Can you share just a little bit of, of what prompted this or how this, uh, how this call surfaced in your hearts, how you came to recognize it and, and honor the call? Sure. You know, and I think it, uh, uh, you could ask Jackie the, the same thing. And I think, I think we both of it really came independent and then it was something that flourished in our marriage and um you know chris mentioned i i uh, do some writing i love uh literature stories uh images art um really moves me um so i remember um being you know watching saturday morning television and it'd be that that old guy who kind of looked like uh maybe a moses character a little bit like santa and he'd come on during the saturday morning cartoons uh and he'd be surrounded by um you know some really half-starved uh children um and he'd be you know be uh, making a plea for um folks to give money usually um and i remember always being very touched by um, these little 30 second commercials, these images of these, of these kids in need. Um, and even then, uh, a stirring, I want to do something. Um, and yeah, I didn't know what foster care was. I had a sense of what adoption was. And even then, uh, you know, a desire, Hey, I would love to be able to, um, provide a home for kids who, uh, who don't have a family. Um, you know, when Jackie and I started dating, uh, towards the end of college and we just talked about dreams and hopes, um, it became pretty clear that both of us had a desire on our heart to serve the poor, to serve the marginalized, uh, and particularly to serve, um, kids in kids in need. And we had talked about doing, um, going to, to serve in an orphanage, um, maybe in Peru, we, we had met one through Catholic Studies Department at St. Thomas when we when we visited Lima, Peru. So that idea 
um, was there, and we discerned we dis- we we discerned not to do that. But that that kind of longing, that hunger, uh, was always there, and we had decided, okay, we want to do um, we want to do adoption now. There's, as maybe your listeners are aware, there's so many different ways um, to adopt. There's international adoption. Um, there's various forms of domestic adoption. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, the, the adoption through the foster care. And, and at a certain point, it became clear to us that we wanted to serve a need um, through the foster care system, that if we could serve our local community, um, by taking on a kid or children that were in the system, so to speak, here in our local community, uh, that's what we felt called to. Not that doing an international adoption or, or adopting an infant from another state uh, wouldn't be a very meaningful way to serve the Lord. Um, we just uh, uh, felt the call to try to serve where the need was closest. That and we had a, a really close friends. Um, were mentor couples of ours who had adopted four boys out of the foster care system um, in Arizona. So kind of those two realities kind of propelled us to say, hey, let's let's look at specifically um, becoming licensed to do foster care and and then uh, foster to adopt. I think I think one of the first reactions that that may be natural for a couple thinking about maybe not discerning it as a call from the Lord, but even just like, okay, the idea of fostering passes through my mind and I have this reaction of fear. Has it, does that resonate? Have you ever experienced that? Or for those who maybe do feel that, do you have any, I don't know, words of wisdom or advice that that you might share? Yeah. And I, I completely get that. There's the, um, the uncertainty, I mean, I think the fear can come from many angles, the, the uncertainty of it. When a child comes into your home, you really have, have little to no idea of how long they might be there. You don't know um, what sort of challenges they might have, um, what sort of emotional behavioral issues they might have, um, or, or what sort of trauma they might have experienced. There's also um, kind of the elephant in the room that if the child is in in foster care, most likely there's still some uh, connection with family, and that's messy, right? And that that can yeah. be really messy of whether it's a parent or a grandparent or a prior caregiver, and there can be fear. So, so I don't want to discredit any of that, any of those fears, because I think they're all uh, reasonable and ones that I've uh, experienced. Um, that being said, anybody who's had who has had a child. Um, um, probably recognizes that those same fears and those same realities uh, exist, albeit in a different flavor in your own life. You just never know um, uh, when you say yes to life, what God is going to give you um, in terms of, uh, and, and this is the good and the bad in terms of challenges, in terms of hardships, in terms of real, real um, suffering. Yes. Um, and and so th- there's it, my my encouragement would be to like look it in the face and say yes there this is a little scary this is different, um, but the call to be a parent is always a call to lay down your life and a call to the unknown and frankly a call to adventure. Mm, I love that that the call to adventure. I think that's just something that, like we're 
we know deep down that like we're made for greatness. We're, we're made to, to sacrifice ourselves for, for a worthy cause. Uh, I think men really innately, like, you know, that's why we love these adventure stories of, you know, Lord of the Rings, something we've talked about on the show before, whatever the adventure story is that to give my life for something noble, worthy, purposeful. One of the, one of the ways that, um, children have come up in policy discussions at the Catholic conference in South Dakota has had before is when we talk about surrogacy, we've kind of flipped this best interest of the child standard on its head. And now we're talking about the needs and wants of adults. I, I, as the adult want a kid. So I'm going to, you know, uh, custom order one. And in fact, with kind of modern genetics and, and the scientific processes, you can custom order one. What you're talking about with adoption and foster care there's there's no custom order involved you you get what the lord gives can, can you maybe say a little bit about that of just sort of um the struggles that come with uh human imperfection and um as you mentioned with some of the family dynamics messiness how, how have you how have you dealt with these difficulties and and how have you and jackie kind of worked through some of the messiness that has come up yeah i mean w- one thing that uh, this isn't directly related, related but um, I'm, I just read this morning, uh, and, and don't, uh, uh, don't uh, quote me on this, or quote me, but go look it up, see if I'm right, um, that I think that over 90% of um, um, Down syndrome uh, babies are mm. aborted. Mm. And that's just, to me, uh, that's just a really, really sad uh, statistic on so many levels. Um, and, and it goes to what you're saying, Chris, about uh, the, the desire for perfection, the desire to know um, what the future holds and to have, you know, there's, I get that there's, there, there's some impulse there of trying perhaps to alleviate this child's suffering, certainly to alleviate my, me as the parent's uh, suffering. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm just so convinced that our way to happiness and to joy is going right through it. It's not around it. You got to go right through uh, the hardship to find the joy and the beauty. And I've certainly um, experienced that. Um, I don't want to sugarcoat uh, our experiences. We have a loud and a messy house. You know, we have six kids under the age of 10 um, and foster care kids coming and going. Um, and I, I am, I'm a dreamer and an idealistic person and I love to think and I love space and I love quiet and how many times during the day all of that goes up in smoke uh, and, and it's, you know, this explosion of, of noise and, and conflict and um, people's past coming up and their trauma coming up and, and all of that. Um, but it's, it's required of me a, a few things and one of them is the death of illusion um, and of a sort of reliance on myself. I think I used to think when I had, my wife and I will look back at pictures when we had just our three boys. And, you know, we thought we had it pretty hard. <laughs> our life was full. And, you know, we think back and just how kind of easy that, that, that was in retrospect um, and how proud, proud I was. I really thought I was just quite a wonderful parent and a pretty nice guy. Um, and I see now more than ever um, just how dependent I am on the Lord, uh, how dependent I am on his grace, mm-hmm. um, and that I'm not 
uh, I'm not this wonderful, holy, holy saint. I'm just a guy who's, you know, trying to, trying to love, trying to lay down my life. And it's, and it's, and it's hard, but it's through the, the moments that I am, uh, most, yeah, Sarah, you can go downstairs. Um, most alive, most full of joy. It's when I am embracing the call that the Lord has given us. And that call involves these, these incarnate souls, right? That God is somehow uh, trying to reveal himself in this very, very visceral, very incarnate way. You know, I'm, one of the things I'm reminded of is, is you're just sharing a little bit, Jeff, of, of how really your own soul, your own heart has been uh, touched, changed. Your, the life of grace has been deepened. You know, but Pope Francis has really encouraged people to be in to be in touch with the poor, to be at the margins, to, to serve the least. Um, and one of the things he said about that is that it changes us, you know, it, it, yeah, it's, it's good for the poor, but it actually changes our own hearts. And even just hearing you share a little bit, um, I'm really just inspired and touched like, ah, yeah, what, uh, the, the Lord is doing, the Lord is doing something there in your own heart. One of the things too, that comes up is, you know, we're talking about the, like, you know, the nobility of sacrifice, this extraordinary great thing. I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit about, I don't know, what is the ordinary rhythm of your day? I read this quotation this morning from uh, Chesterton. He said, the most extraordinary thing in the world is an ordinary man and it's ordinary and an ordinary woman and their ordinary children. Um, can you, let's bring the extraordinary down to the ordinary. What is, what does every day look like? You know, we just heard, uh, we heard a little interaction there in the background. What, what what's the daily rhythm? Yeah. So the, the, the rhythm of course has been, I don't want to say upended, um, but it's certainly been intensified because of, uh, the COVID realities, um, that, um, you know, have been been uh, ongoing for, oh, 15, 16 months now. Uh, so as you said at the beginning, I work, uh, I'm a prosecutor. Um, I uh, work for uh, Ramsey County. Um, and I had a, I had a lovely, nice uh, little routine pre-COVID where um, my, my job has always been uh, been great in that I work very close to home. I can bike into work. I have a good time at the front end of the day to help with breakfast, that sort of thing. Good time at the end of the day to help with dinner, get kids to bed. But, you know, I had this kind of this nice uh, space um, in the middle of the day where I was like, well, I can leave some of that chaos. And uh, it's quite pleasant. And I get a, a better picture of my own self of being... Um, yeah. No, Bonnie, buddy, I'm on a, I'm on a meeting. And I'm there, there's uh, rascal number two. Um, um, and then, you know, it was, it was kind of, it's kind of nice. Um, it's kind of nice, frankly, to get away from some of the, some of the chaos. Um, uh, but the, the, the rhythm of my life is uh, I, I, I get up and I get up uh, relatively early to pray. Um, and I've, I have I've had to learn that the hard way of, you know, years of, um, early years of marriage, trying to find time to pray, um, you know, and, and the reality is you, you just got to do it. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta make the time. Um, and so I, I'm blessed to live really close to a adoration chapel and that, um, begins uh, just about every one of my days with adoration. Uh, then I try to come home and, uh, I, I try to do some reading, uh, and, and writing, um, first thing in the morning, 
Um, and then the kids wake up. And so I do breakfast and it's, uh, it's loud and it's messy and we're trying to get one kid to learn how to poop without screaming. And so we have that interaction every morning. <laughs> and our, uh, our four-year-old and our two-year-old are kind of the, uh, the best of frenemies and, um, and so, and that's beautiful. I mean, this is like the incarnational, you know, I go, I go away from that. So basically like seven to nine is just like me, um, I, getting these, uh, little kids fed. And, um, during the school year, we, we also homeschool. Um, and so that's been a great blessing is that, um, I'll take the first hour of, uh, the school age boys and we'll do our Bible lesson. We'll do our prayer. Um, we'll do some catechism. Um, I drive my wife nuts because I'll try to, uh, do some Thomistic or Aristotelian style philosophy. And <laughs> she's not always impressed. <laughs> Just teach them grammar. I got grammar. I don't know. They don't need grammar. <laughs> they need metaphysics. Um, so, so, and then, and, and now I've, I've been working from home, um, for, uh, since, since April and it was hard at first, but I've grown to really love it. It's going to be hard going back, um, because of the, the interactions that I'm able, uh, I'm able to have, um, which are both a, um, a distraction from what I'm doing, but they're a distraction into what, you know, the Lord is, um, is calling me, uh, to do. Um, you know, and so then work and then I'm, I, I pretty active helping get the, get the food ready, um, for dinner. Um, what I will say that, uh, we have just our house is full. Um, but I, um, punished myself. No, I, I love my wife. My wife is so dear. Um, my wife and I are so different. I am, um, an introvert and my wife is an extreme extrovert. Um, so even before we had a house full, uh, of kids, uh, we always had a house full. Um, and that's just uh, part of the beauty of my wife's soul is she's always looking for people to invest in, to invite in, um, to invite into our lives. So our, our life is full of people, um, coming and going right now. Jackie is, um, preparing some, um, cooked goods. We're going, um, to a cabin for a couple of days and she's got a friend over in there and her little baby and they're with the kids down there making a mess. And, you know, so that's, uh, our, our day is, is filled with, uh, lots of little kids and, and lots of people being invited to, uh, try to share in, um, share in our life. Well, Jeff, that's, um, it's just so beautiful. And I think the the real heart of this podcast has been just to kind of hear the, the ordinary, if you will, you know, we've got maybe 30 seconds left. Do you have any maybe closing thoughts, um, encouragements, takeaways for folks? You know, just, uh, just a, a last reflection on, on your last comment there. And it's something that, um, I think has been a major work of the Lord in my own life for 10 or 15 years. And it's, I'm only beginning to see that it's only beginning. And it's the, the extraordinary is in the ordinary. Um, you know, I used to, I studied philosophy. Um, I went to law school and I had great ambitions of doing great things for the Lord. Um, you know, and I think a lot of us, uh, faithful Catholic men have that. And that's a great and beautiful desire. Uh, and the Lord wants to fulfill that desire. Uh, and he's going to, but it's in the ordinary. Well put. Jeff Wald, thanks for joining us on the show. 
Thank you, Chris. And thank you, dear listeners, as always, for tuning in. If you got any comments, questions, show ideas, don't hesitate to reach out. sdcatholicconference.org. Click contact us. Until next time, live well. Live well.